1: Good morning, my name is Rob and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Home Capital Group Fourth Quarter 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, again, press the star one. Thank you. Jill McCray, Head of Investor Relations. You may begin your conference.
0: Thank you, Rob. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our agenda for today's presentation is as follows. We'll begin the call with remarks from Yusri Basada, Homes President and CEO. Brad Kotish, our CFO, will then review our financial performance, which will be followed by a question and answer period for participants. We have a few members of our senior management team with us on the call to help answer your questions. On behalf of those speaking today, I note that this call may contain forward-looking statements and that actual results could differ materially from forecasts, projections or conclusions in these statements. Please refer to our advisory on forward-looking statements on page two of the presentation. I would also remind listeners that HOME uses non-GAAP financial measures to arrive at adjusted results, and the management will be referring to both reported and adjusted results in their remarks. And now I'd like to turn the call over to you three to seven.
2: Good morning and thank you for joining us today for our 2021 fourth quarter and full year results conference call. In addition to our results, I'll also spend some time talking about what we see ahead of us in 2022. Let me start with what we announced today. We reported fully diluted net income per share of $4.78 in 2021, an increase of 44% over 2020. This is the second straight year that we've reported year-over-year earnings growth above 40%. We achieved a 15.1% return on equity. We are pleased to announce the init- initiation of a regular quarterly common share dividend in the amount of $0.15 cents per share. We grew our mortgage originations by 27% year-over-year to near $8.9 billion. Of that, our ultimate mortgages were $6.3 billion an all-time record. Brad will share more details on the above. Over the last four years, we have delivered consistent increases in our earnings and our return on equity as shown on slide four. Our share price performance during that time is the highest of any of the banks. On the capital front, we returned over $360 million to shareholders to our share repurchases, including our $300 substantial issuer bid completed at the end of December. In total, we left back 8.9 million shares during the year, or about one-sixth of all the shares that were outstanding at the beginning of 2021. Looking back, 2021 was an eventful year. Once again, we began the year faced with uncertainty due to COVID, but this time, Informed and strengthened by our earlier experiences, we entered 2021 with confidence. This is because medical science has introduced vaccines that promise to make normal business operations possible. We had an even better understanding of the ways COVID has impacted the housing market. We knew how important it is for people to have the opportunity to buy and keep their homes. Our people have shown themselves to be capable and resilient in the face of constantly changing working conditions. Each of our business units rose to the challenge of a volatile year, starting with our sales and underwriting teams. They worked hard throughout the year and delivered impressive volume growth while staying within our risk appetite. That included a return to pre-pandemic underwriting conditions in all areas by mid-July. We delivered the quality of service that our broker partners have come to expect from us at investor day we shared information about how we value our broker partners and work with them our deposits and funding teams were equally active deposits to our open channel grew by more than 10 percent during the year and now make up over 31 percent of our overall total deposits We returned to the RMBS market with two cross-border offerings totaling $765 million. We added a whole home sale program for insured mortgages with a range of financial counterparties and participated in the bank-sponsored securitization conduit. Our IT team implemented the transformation of our core mortgage banking system. We launched a mobile banking app for our open customers and upgraded the functionality of our Loft platform for better engagement with our broker partners. We are continuing to find ways to use robotic process automation to perform repetitive tasks. The benefits of Ignite, our internal multi-system upgrades, are not just process efficiencies, but an improvement in the type of work we're able to perform, including the quality of engagement with our brokers and customers. Our HR team led us in adapting to a virtual work from home, to a hybrid work from the office, and back to virtual work from home. Pivoting in our work environment has become the new norm. Even with these challenges, we won a number of Best Workplace awards, including Best Place for Hybrid Work this week we won. We are proud of our home and of our culture. And. We welcomed Betty DeVita as a new director. Betty's years of experience in banking and payments make her a valuable asset to our board. On our leadership front, we added Ben strength. In January of this year, we welcomed Brian Leland as EVP underwriter. Brian comes to us with over 20 years experience in all aspects of building and growing residential mortgage teams. He started his career at Home Trust and we're pleased to welcome him back. We also welcome Mike Henry as our EVP of Digital and Strategy. As a senior executive with more than 25 years at a major bank, Mike brings strategic and deep financial service experience to our team. As we look ahead, we have reasons for optimism in 2022 as well. The housing market is starting 2022 the way it ended in 2021 with strong demand supported by low interest rates, growing consumer savings, and intergenerational support. Interest rates are still low but are rising and expected to increase through the year. We're not too concerned at this point about the impact on credit quality from rising rates because of the cushion from the B20 stress test along with our own prudent underwriting criteria. It is likely that higher rates will reduce but not eliminate demand for home ownership. The impact of rising rates on affordability can also be mitigated by buyers changing the location or the size of their home purchase. We believe that the mortgage broker community is best suited to help Canadians understand the impact of these changes. Demand for home ownership is still strong and it will be supported by growing immigration numbers, a growing cohort of millennials buying their first homes, and a return to employment growth. As working conditions evolve, we can see more transactions driven by changing housing needs. Our funding teams expanded our funding capabilities and have just issued our latest RMBs offer, benefiting from growing investor interest in this attractive instrument. On our capital strategy, we are on track. Following the completion of our SIB in December, we're announcing today that the TSX has approved our application for normal course issuer bid. This will make strategic share repurchases throughout the year as we work towards our stated target CDT1 capital ratio of 14 to 15%. We have a track record of success in this method of delivering value to our shareholders. In mid-2017, the company, at over 80 million shares outstanding. As of December 31st, 2021, we have backed back more than 37 million, or over 45% of shares outstanding. Together with our strong operating performance, buybacks have been a key component of our shareholder value proposition. 2021 was a year in which Canadians continued to show how much they value homeownership. And here at home, we're dedicated to helping them achieve it. Despite the changes in working conditions brought about by the path of the variance, we were consistent in our focus of serving our business partners, responding to the needs of our customers, and meeting our financial objectives, and supporting our employees. In 2022, we are starting the year with a strong market, a strong capital base, an engaged group of employees and a strong leadership team. We are ready to convey meaningful benefits to all our stakeholders while delivering value to our shareholders.
3: I'll now invite Brad to discuss our financial results. Thank you, Gusri, and good morning, everyone. Starting on slide seven this morning, we reported net income of fifty two point seven million and diluted earnings of Dollar four per share for the fourth quarter of 2021, adjusting for items related to our ignite program, net income for the quarter was 53.7 million, or a dollar six per share. This will be the final quarter that we will be adjusting a reported result in relation to our ignite program as it draws to a close in 2022. Full year 2021 earnings were 244.7 million, or 4.78 per share. Our reported earnings per share increased by 43% over 2020, continuing our trend of delivering strong growth in earnings per share throughout a volatile period for the economy and the housing market. Book value per share, as shown on slide eight, grew by 12.7% year over year to $36.55, and a return on equity was 12.4% during the quarter and 15.1% for the full year. Once again we generated double-digit return on equity despite carrying significant capital above our target range for most of the year. Following the conclusion of our substantial issuer bid at the end of 2021, we ended the year with 18.43% in CET1 capital, moving closer to our target range of 14 to 15%. Slide 9 shows the factors contributing to our growth in earnings per share for the full year. Our net interest margin was 2.56% for the year compared with 2.46% in 2020. The year-over-year increase in NIM is mainly due to lower funding costs and added 26 cents to our earnings growth, somewhat offset by a decrease in non-interest income. Reduction in non-interest expense added a further 19 cents. Overall, pre-tax pre-provision net income increased by 10% over 2020. Looking at provisions, The change from a provisions expense in 2020 to a recovery of credit provisions added 94 cents to earnings per share. A 3% reduction in the number of average shares outstanding during the year contributed 13 cents. Our expectation, based on our current outlook for interest rates, asset mix and competition with other lenders, is that there will be a decrease in our net interest margin in 2022 and the impact on non-net interest income will be offset by higher loan balances. Looking at our lending operations on slide 10, originations in our single family residential portfolio grew by 52% in the fourth quarter, 44% per the year. Commercial originations on slide nine increased in the fourth quarter, but decreased during the year. Commercial originations got off to a slow start in Q1 and Q2, partly due to pandemic underwriting conditions and planned reductions in some loan categories, but increased in every successive quarter. We we're feeling positive about the opportunities in commercial lending in 2022. As of the end of the year, single-family residential loans on balance sheet had increased by 8% to $16.2 billion through robust origination volume and retention efforts. Commercial on balance sheet loans declined to $1.8 billion with the largest year-over-year reduction in exposure to retail stores. Deposits gathered through our Oaken channel by more than 10% during 2021 and make up more than 31% of our total deposit funding. Significantly, deposits gathered through deposit brokers decreased year over year as we were able to diversify our funding sources. Oaken savings accounts were just under 24% of total Oaken deposits at the end of the year. We expect the percentage of demand deposits to decrease as higher interest rates make term instruments more attractive. And as a reopening of retail entertainment and travel options, give customers more outlets to spend the cash balances they built up during pandemic restrictions. We are getting good customer response to our digital banking app and look forward to further continuous agile enhancements to this app. During the year, Home made significant progress in our objective of diversifying our funding base. We executed whole loan sales of our insured mortgages with several financial counterparties, participated in a bank-sponsored securitization conduit, and completed two successful cross-border offerings of residential mortgage-backed securities. In 2022, our funding initiatives are gaining momentum. We have doubled the size of securitization conduit to $500 million, and it will be an effective source of funding for our classic mortgages. We have just priced the first RMBS offering of 2022. The A tranche of $425 million was priced at 2.63% and is expected to close on February 23rd. We continue to see strong credit performance in Q4, even while the Omicron variant added uncertainty to the outlook for economic recovery. The base case inputs to our economic model show an improvement in employment through the year and modest appreciation in housing prices. After reporting reversals of credit provisions for the first three quarters of the year, we had provisions for credit losses of about $1 million in the fourth quarter or two basis points of gross loans on an annualized basis. There was a modest reversal in provisions on impaired loans identified as Stage 3 and a provision of $1.3 million in our loans designated as Stage 1 and Stage 2 in both our single-family residential and our commercial loan portfolios. Going forward, we expect credit provisions on both our retail and commercial performance portfolios to be similar to pre-pandemic levels. Net write-offs for the year were $0.6 million or less than one basis point of gross loans. Looking at the full year, We booked a reversal of credit provisions on Stage 3 loans totaling $10.3 million and a provision reversal of $23.4 million on performing loans for a total of $33.7 million. This was due to the impact of an improvement in the forward-looking economic models used to estimate credit losses, loan repayments and a lower balance of loans in Stage 3. Slide 16 shows details of our allowance coverage. Total allowance for credit losses was 36.5 million at the end of 2021, which is a decrease of 48% from the total of 70.8 million one year earlier. Approximately 80% of the allowance is attributable to stage one and stage two loans. Allowance coverage of non-performing loans increased to 22.8% as of December 31st. Turning to slide 17, we provided details of our non-performing loans by business line. Our credit quality continues to be strong, reflecting a steady improvement from previous quarters. Net non-performing loans at the end of the year have declined substantially in both dollars and percentage terms and now represent only 13 basis points of our total loans outstanding. This is a credit to our sales and underwriting teams and to the risk culture of the company as a whole. We concluded a 300 million substantial issuer bid at the end of the year. For the full year, Home repurchased 8.9 million shares at an average price of $41.13 per share through the SIB and NCIB. We ended with a CET1 capital ratio of 18.43%, which is still above our stated target range.
2: The renewed normal
3: course issuer bid that you three referred to will allow us to repurchase up to approximately. million shares as part of our program to reach our target capital range. The dividend that we announced today is another way of delivering value to shareholders. We have said consistently that we would introduce a common share dividend when it makes sense. Having made material progress toward our target capital ratio, the Board of Management believed that the company and its shareholders would benefit from a regular quarterly dividend. The initial dividend is set at $0.15 per share, payable on March 31, 2022, to shareholders of record as of March 15, 2022. This payout is sustainable with potential for growth over time. The Board reviews its capital strategy on an ongoing basis and will look at all opportunities to achieve a CET1 within our stated target range by the end of the year. And now I will ask the operator to poll for questions.
1: At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. And your first question comes from the line of Etienne Ricard from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Thank you and good morning. Morning. The,
2: the So the 2022 outlook is guiding towards declining uh, net interest margins. First, are you expecting uh, net interest margin decreases relative to Q4 or annual 2021 levels? And second, is is the focus on capturing high origination volumes aim aim at gaining market share? In, in other words, what do you estimate your current market share to be relative to uh, uh, your target level? Uh you. Sorry, I can go ahead. Okay, it's I'll answer first and then Brad might add this on, them, uh, on the market share. Um, uh, it's not the game market share, it is just as uh, rates increase, uh, as Canada's increase, uh, deposits react very quickly. Mortgage rates react a little slower. Uh, there are competitive uh, reasons. There's a lot of people trying to get mortgages. Someone has to take lead and that, as that happens, you get deposit rates going up and mortgages lagging somewhat. That's what causes that. It's not so much the market's rate. We're, we've typically been the highest uh, rate in the Alt-A area and competitive in the A area. Uh, so we would expect to maintain that. So if interest rates go up quickly, you have to, you have to reset mortgages quickly. To go up slowly, it's much more manageable. The reverse happens in other environments. When rates go down, mortgages
3: are the last to go down and it widens spreads for, for all uh, lenders. Right? Uh, the, the specific answer to your question is off of the Q4 NIM that we reported. And what's been happening is the uh, what we've seen in our market is that the rise in the overall deposit cost, which is based typically off the government curves has increased and we haven't seen behavior uh, of rate increases uh, there has been a very significant volume of origination so to stay competitive and relevant we can only raise rates so much um, we have uh, we consider to have been leading the way in rate increases uh, this quarter and we the path that we see is uh, certainly the announcement today bank of canada expects to raise rates we saw rates go up on the curve 10 basis points so what, what's offsetting the decrease in NIM is uh, really record originations in our classic business, so we're seeing uh, substantial loan growth and based on our estimates and what we know uh, for the year, or projecting for the year, uh, even if uh, NIM decreases, we'll achieve the same level of net interest income.
2: Great, thank you. And um, so I guess as a follow-up, when would you expect uh, all day mortgage rates just to, to start increasing and, uh, you
3: know, match the increase in, in deposit costs? I, I think that's a process. It's going to take time. Uh, what I can say is we have, we have raised rates um, and uh, we'll continue to raise rates to match increase in deposits. What happened was there was probably uh, around a two and a half month to three month lag in matching those increases so we're we're playing a bit of catch-up and i think that's something that we've consistently said in relation to Alte, where it takes some time for rates to move and it does appear as the competition in the market is also looking to gain market share but uh, based on what we know we are the price leaders in terms of moving up mortgage rates and we have to adapt to those circumstances and uh, to continue being relevant to uh, our customers and mortgage brokers okay
2: and so on the funding side, we've talked about OCAN and you know, RMBS issuances in the past. As we look into 2022, could, could you remind us of, um, of your priorities as it relates to driving cost of funding improvement?
3: Well, we will continue, we we showed great progress in diversifying our funding sources. We're gonna continue down that path. And uh, I did mention in our call that we have just priced an RMBS. Uh, We expect to be programmatic, continue to be programmatic issuers subject to market conditions. Uh, We issued the RMBS in a particularly volatile market. And what we hope is that some of the uncertainties related to uh, factors outside of our control that are happening in the broader world uh, We all hope is is none of those issues manifest themselves and that uh, there'll be a more stable market. So, uh, again, uh, we're looking at further uh, ABCP conduits and other RBS issuance uh, to the extent that uh, we could explore the market for deposit notes. We work towards that. Uh, We're really trying to access all sources of funding and, uh, again, part of our home sale program is uh, to make sure that it's effective. And creating value so we need to see some increase in spreads on our accelerator mortgages to really get back into that program but we do see
1: a lot of potential. Thank you for your comments. Your next question comes from the line of James Gloing from National Bank Financial. Your line is open.
2: Yeah thanks. Uh, first question I wanted to uh, just get into the, the thought process. Uh, behind this uh, sizing the dividend uh, and uh, and how should we think about uh, that dividend going forward is this something that you would seek to increase uh, quarterly semi annually annually, um, maybe a little bit more color around the strategy for the dividend
3: yeah sure Jim. Uh our, our strategy is to keep it consistent um, for the year however uh, that that may change subject to circumstances and, and those circumstances will probably be more more um, uh bias to an increase but we we fully expect to keep it constant for this year based on the decisions that were made by the board at at its most recent meeting and uh, there is also a uh, expectation that we will be increasing that on an annual basis so that's our current plan on reviewing the the level of uh common share dividend and it's going to be based on what we think is happening in terms of book growth, market conditions and all the other factors that you would expect a board to consider in making a decision related to a recurring dividend.
2: Okay, great. But uh, And then on uh, the, the factors that went into sizing the dividend, it uh, looks to me like it's uh, at the low double digits uh, percentage basis on a payout ratio versus uh, EPS. So, what led you, to, uh, what led you to, to start with that level of the payout ratio
3: or any other considerations that were factored into the decision? Well, we, we still think that our shares are undervalued, so we're going to buy them back and are devoting capital to those sorts of uh, repurchases. And, but we did uh, think it was the appropriate time to start a recurring dividend. So that's why we picked a, a relatively low payout ratio. Uh, Historically, uh, the company paid between 20 to 25% uh, when it was not, uh, uh, I think there were a couple of uh, NCIBs and and SIBs, but primarily uh, most of the return of capital was done through dividends. So, thinking years ahead, that's probably a, a place that we would get to.
1: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.
2: Okay, great. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's fair enough. Um, the, uh, the Ignite uh, program or uh, Ignite uh, uh, cost expenses, it seems like it, uh, it, it's extending a couple of quarters. I believe in the previous guidance was that I would wrap up in Q2 22. Uh, now it seems like it's going to go through all of 2022. Um, can you give us a little bit more details as to why it's extending what other... Uh, initiatives might have been added to the program, or what's causing delays? Uh, a, little, uh, a little more detail on that, please.
3: Yeah, sure, Jane. Um, we think we have. Uh, we, we still think it's going to be done midway through the year. So, if we gave the impression that it was going to be a full year, like saying it would end in 2022, uh, I'll correct that now. Um, we think it's going to be largely complete uh, in uh, the first half of the year, and our uh, and why we're saying we're not gonna be reporting adjusted earnings anymore is the, the, the more meaningful aspects of it to give a look at the underlying business, which was the purpose for reporting the adjusted earnings, um, aren't, aren't really relevant in, in looking at it.
2: Okay, great. Um, so from, uh, from the first question, it sounds like the, the guidance or the expectation for 2022 is that net interest income uh, on a dollar basis should be pretty flat in 2022 versus 2021 given some of the the NIM decline guidance uh, overall. Uh, Is that a fair characterization for net interest income? And then uh, some follow-ups just in terms of uh, uh, the movements within that.
3: I I think that's right. Um, Jane, based on what we know today, there's a lot of things that can change over time. But uh, that's our current thinking, and the components of that are really uh, working through uh, getting back to the mean in terms of spread over deposits. That has been compressed, and as I said earlier, we, are, uh, we have been leading uh, with price increases so far this quarter and we'll continue to work towards uh, getting back to the historical levels of spread on classic originations.
4: Okay, Okay. and then so in in
2: terms of uh, in terms of how you're going to market, uh, can you elaborate on on the the pricing strategy or uh, what goes in, what factors into how you're pricing the mortgages? Uh, Are you targeting a specific uh, you targeting specific ROE uh, outcome, um, what is the, you know, what are the uh, the inputs and uh, and, and drivers of, of determining the ultimate rate? Hi, James, it's history. Um Yeah, Ultimately, we're driving towards the ROE uh, targets, which, you know, subsection is uh, NIM, which is subsection is the spread, obviously, between deposits and mortgages. Um, it, this is a very normal thing when interest rates are going up: is that deposits reset quickly, government account bonds reset instantly, deposits reset almost right away, and then it's the mortgages that lag. Um, as we've said, uh, we are leaders in stretching it. We want to get back to normal. The slower interest rates move up, the faster we can get to the mean between uh, mortgage and deposits. But as they, you know, you can go up today and then tomorrow deposits go up again, and you've got another increase. So we will. I assume we're going to probably lead the way of trying to get the, the spreads uh, to normal, and we'll get there. It's just how fast uh, that happens. So yes, ultimately driven by ROE, ultimately driven by then There's a whole bunch of uh, metrics behind what it should be and how fast we can get ourselves there. Right, and is the is the ROE, are, are, we, are you pricing to a ROE target of 15% uh, 16 percent you what is, what is that ROE uh, uh,
4: target or true mark that you're, you're looking to achieve in, in any deal well
3: our our, our goal game is mid-teens ROE so that'll that'll move around uh, but 15 is, is is a goal of ours and we achieved it this year and we'll certainly work towards achieving it uh, in 2022 but there's a whole bunch of work that we have to do to get there this year including um, Managing uh, the spread on uh, classic originations, and as a reminder, it, it is it is competitive. So we need to be relevant, and and we can't we can't simply wave a wand ourselves to move the market. But uh, we're we're definitely trying. Okay, got it. And uh, last one for me. You,
0: right. I'm going to have to ask you to re-queue, Jane, because uh, there's sure. other people in the queue, and um, yeah, we uh, we will pick you up at the end if that's all right.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Nigel DeSuva from Veritas Investment Research. Your line is open. Uh, thank you. Good, good
2: morning. I, I just had a couple quick questions on, uh, on, on your margins here. Um, I noticed that there was a decline quarter-over-quarter. Quarter. Uh, it seems to have been largely driven by single-family residential mortgages and a lower yield there. Is that, you know, I think I heard you correctly, is that just mainly driven by the new originations in the quarter at a lower rate? Could you provide some colour on what drove the decline?
3: I that that is uh the, the primary reason is, is uh the originations coming in at, at lower spreads. Our, our retention is uh rates are, are working relatively well in terms of our expectations, but uh that that is the case.
2: Okay, great. And uh just on term deposits, if I could maybe uh get some insights on the pricing dynamics in the rising rate environment. I think you mentioned that. Uh, rising rates are attractive from a, a market dynamic standpoint for uh, for your term deposit uh, funding. But in terms of pricing, you know, compared to lower uh, rate term deposits uh, on the market, does the spread between your your term rates and uh, and competitive term rates narrow in, in a rising rate environment? Is it maintained? Could you just kind of set some color on how the pricing dynamics might play out?
3: When, when we look at our pricing we do we do have competitive pressure uh certainly on the on the broker deposit but in relation to Oken and others when when we evaluate how we're doing we look at how we're doing based off the spread of a government curve
1: okay uh okay that's helpful and
2: uh if i could just pivot quickly to capital when i when i look at your uh current capital level if you assuming you your action that ncib um that still doesn't get you to your 14 to 15% CT1 target range, um, and then even with the dividend payout, you're still going to have some internal capital generation. So do you have any comments on what bridges, I guess, the final um, remaining excess capital from from where we might end up to your target range over the next year?
3: Uh, you're right. There is there is a, a gap uh, to get there. Uh, part of it's going to be filled with. Uh, what we think we'll, or what we're thinking is growth uh, in our balance sheet and risk weighted assets. So that's going to absorb some of it. And when we get closer to the end of the year, we'll evaluate whether uh, it makes sense to uh, retain capital to fund the future growth uh, or uh, you know, look at higher rate dividends in the next year. Uh, what we're really trying to do is work towards a range in the best way that's going to create value for shareholders. And looking at it now, uh, we'll we'll know uh, as we progress throughout the year what the best alternative would be. For example, one could be, another choice could be another substantial issuer bid. And that's the potential to uh, get there relatively quickly with one transaction.
2: Okay, and last quick question. Um, Any comments on the decision of deciding to pursue NCIB versus an SIB? I mean, look at your current share price, it's below... Um, the average SIB purchase price that you recently completed. So is there you know, a rationale that makes NCIB more attractive in, in uh, current environment? How do you think about that?
3: Well, I think we have a good opportunity to, to utilize the NCIB and the ability to have a more discretionary aspect to when we're repurchasing shares uh, and not having to pay the premium on an SIB. Uh, led us to uh, maximize an NCIB over immediately uh, putting together another SIB.
1: Okay, that's helpful. That's it for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from a line of Graham Riding from TD Securities. Your line is open.
4: Uh, good morning. Just, um, I appreciate the color on you know the uh, the offset of you know lower NIM but higher long growth you think uh, net interest income hopefully will be flat in 2022. Just wondering, what, what sort of loan growth are you targeting for 2022? What do you think the business is capable, capable of, giving your outlook?
3: Um, we're, we're we're capable of uh,
4: close to 20%. 20% loan growth?
3: Yeah. Or LUA.
4: Okay. So that's a pretty material increase from, I think you had 5% this year. So what drives that uptick? Uh,
3: uh, originations, uh, continuing high growth of originations in our our classic portfolio, residential portfolio, and commercial portfolio,
1: and retention.
4: Okay. And the you know obviously you've talked about some spread compression on the classic side. this. what about the commercial side? Are you seeing any spread compression there, or? holding in okay on that side of your business?
3: Um, There has been a little, but not to the extent on the residential side. That's
2: more because commercial price deal by deal, uh, whereas single family, you you price it and a whole bunch of deals arrive.
4: Got it, understood. Um, And then my last question, there's a slight increase in uh, your commercial impairments, any color behind what was behind that?
3: Uh, no, it's, it's just uh, there There are um, individual loans of size, so if anything moves in any of those, you're going to show a, a, a change. Uh, we consider ourselves to be very well provided, and looking at the trend over the year, we've, we've shown a substantial reduction in those provisions, so it's not unexpected that we would see some variability or volatility there. Yep,
4: yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you
1: and we have a follow up question from the line of James Gloing from National Bank Financial your line is open
2: yeah thank you um, so
0: i, I did Welcome want to back. thank you,
2: thank you. <laughs> just wanted to dig into the uh, the i guess the two main subsectors of the of uh, the nim forecast um, so we, we did the we completed the rndf uh, uh, latest RMBS transaction can you compare the, the the spread on that transaction, uh, so mortgage rates versus the cost of of, uh, of that RMBS uh, deal versus the previous deals, and, and is that going to be accretive to uh, to the spread on securitized assets or uh,
3: diluted? Uh, it may be slightly diluted, but uh, again, over time, we'll, we'll see where overall rates move because this. You know, the RMBS uh, is an amortizing uh, facility, so it, depending on the renewals in there, it may turn out, out to be a, uh, attractive long-term funding for us, Shane. Uh We really do like the RMBS uh, as a funding mechanism. Uh, we issued it in uh, a, a pretty volatile environment, so um, the spread over the curve was higher on this transaction than our last transaction that I think has been uh, based on our, what we've heard in the market is the spreads have uh, um, on, on these types of uh, vehicles have uh, expanded. So uh, we did the last one at 85 over and this one was done at 105 over. Okay, so still,
2: still tighter than the one prior to that, um, but uh, I guess yeah. the bottom line is there's some, uh, some dilution on the securitized side, but the, the biggest NIM pressure is going to be coming from uh, non-securitized loans um, in, in 2022. Now, again, going back to Graham's question about the, the 20% uh, loan growth forecast, or I don't know if it was a forecast or it was a capacity question, so maybe just a little bit of clarity. Is that, is that what you're baking in uh, for you know, providing that guidance to flat NII, is that you will have 20% loan growth overall? Uh, And and how do you think about breaking that down between uh, single-family residential mortgages and and non-resi
4: commercial mortgages or other products?
3: I think right now we're comfortable with saying that overall level of growth and uh, that uh, level of net interest income.
2: Okay. Um, Great. I think uh, that's it for me. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Nagel Desuva from Veritas Investment Research. Your line is open.
2: Uh, Thanks for taking my my follow-up. I wanted to touch on another dynamic in in a rising rate environment, and uh, I was wondering if you could expand on how sensitive your retention rates are in, um, in in a rising rate environment. I mean, I know there's an interplay between the prime space and the near prime space for your mortgage book, uh, so maybe if you could color that, you know, in the context of between 100 basis points or 200 basis points increase, how meaningful uh-huh. the difference does that make to uh, retention?
3: Oh, we, we, we
2: think, oh, sorry, we both want to answer. Um, uh, in retention, it's a little bit uh, different. Um, it, it's a little bit stickier in a rising rate, rate environment. Um, people would have to re under a higher rate uh, elsewhere. Uh, so uh, you mentioned people who are moving from Alt-A to A. That's a little more competitive uh, on the renewal side. Uh, and we're getting better and better at offering our own alt clients at A to keep them. Uh, so it, it, it generally drives higher retention. General, generally. So I assume the higher retention rate assumption is baked into your, your long-growth uh,
3: outlook
1: as well. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you. Your next question comes from a line of Stephen Boland from Raymond James. Your line is open.
2: Uh, Thanks. Just a quick question. Just in terms of borrowing uh, behavior, have you seen uh, any change in demand for different lengths of mortgages uh, with the anticipation of uh, rates moving up, of things moved out, uh, more demand for fixed, anything like that in terms of borrow behavior? Yeah, I Steve to you three. Uh, later, um, we've seen um, typically on Alt-A, a client will take a one-year mortgage um, because they believe they might be an A in the year or want to see the circumstances later. We're seeing a bit of shift to two and even three-year on Alt-A. Uh, on the A side, five-year is the most common term, and that continues to be the uh, same. Okay. and just second... Um What is the um, uh, you mentioned that you have been adjusting um, you know, rates, LTBs, things of that sort. Um, can you you just give a little bit more color in terms of geography, uh, loan to value adjustments that you've had, uh, especially I guess, where the markets are pretty hot? Yeah, um, I don't know if you're referring to that when initially the lockdowns came in 2020, we pulled back in certain areas and we pull back certain loan-to-values. But in mid-2021, we're back to our normal uh, loan-to-values. In fact, since um, since July 2021, we've added areas that we loan. we've added FSAs uh, that we, we, blend, we lend to. So we've expanded as as the dynamics are shifting on where people are buying homes, they're actually redefining where major urban centres are. So we're just uh, look, we look at that and study it exhaustively to look at liquidity to understand the market, and then when we get comfortable, we expand. So today we are lending in more than we would have last year, and certainly more than we would have in 2020, and uh, back to our full risk appetite adjustments of LTV, which is generally up to 80% on day. Okay, so again, you're not you're not concerned with the you know the the,
4: the rising you know average prices here, especially in the GTA, like that. Um, you're still comfortable with your your levels?
2: We are comfortable because in our risk appetite, the first thing is we qualify the borrower what they want to borrow, irrespective of LTV. That has to check before we look at the LTV and the prices and so on. So we get comfortable that that person can carry that mortgage first, so that gives us a lot. And we have to be comfortable of the certainty of the income in the term of the mortgage. So that being the first check that has to pass, Then we look at the loan's value and what the, the appraisal is. Okay. Thank
4: you,
1: Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. And there are no further questions at this time. Mr. Yusri Isada, I turn the call back over to you for some closing remarks.
2: Thank you, Rob. Uh, As you can see, we're moving forward with a lot of momentum in all our business areas. We'll continue to execute our strategy to grow business while returning capital to our shareholders, through our NCIB and common service. Thank you all for attending, and
0: we look forward to speaking with you again soon.